Uh, so if you can turn in your Bibles, join me in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 6. We're only going to be in four verses today, uh, verses 1 through 4. Uh, we are going to be continuing our series through the book of Ephesians, which uh, if you know our series uh, title is Sit, Walk, Stand. And this is a walk through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. And uh, we have, are going to continue all the way through chapter 6. Uh, what's special about uh, today's uh, particular passage is that we have seen uh, through the book of Ephesians, God has a plan for our life. We don't just enter into salvation and then God's like, okay, great, I hope you figure it out. No, God has an explicit plan that is very important to the way that we do life. Um, and you can see that uh, as Pastor Ryan did a really great job of teaching about marriage and family, Last week, we're going to continue for the fostering and the nurturing of God's uh, plan for our families as parents. Uh, and so you can see that if God is going to be calling us into a walk where we see his plan unfold and his presence to be evident in our lives, then we need to know that he wants a spirit-filled home. He wants us to have a spirit-filled home. And as a spirit-filled home, we have to see that if God is going to be the center of our lives personally, then he's going to be the center of our homes, that we have to understand that God's plan is paramount, not just for us, but also for our growing family and our children. And so I want to put up this verse. This is something that we have kind of focused on, on serving, but also we're going to put up this verse as well as to understand what God's plan is for us. It says in Joshua 24, 15, it says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love that verse because you know a parent wrote it. You can hear the tone, right? I almost feel like when Joshua wrote it, he turned to his kids when he, when he wrote it, right? It's like he said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, right, everybody? You can hear the tone. And so I love that because that gives you a great description of the direction of our uh, plan for parenting and the plan for our household. Um, I'm going to put up this uh, first point so that you can kind of see the direction that the first four verses of Ephesians is going. It says, to have a spirit-led home, we need to have a spirit-filled uh, life. To have a spirit-led home, we need to have a spirit-filled life. Uh, one thing that I like to challenge myself with is something my grandfather challenged me with before I step into any endeavor in my life to ask myself, how is my walk with the Lord? How is your time with the Lord? So before I can even say, I'm going to be a good parent today, I have to ask myself, first, am I filled with Jesus Christ? And then you can trace how you handle any kind of endeavor in your life back to your relationship with God. And that is the way that we want to look at parenting. Before I can even step into my relationship with my wife, I have to check my heart with the Holy Spirit. Before I can walk into a relationship with my kids, I have to check my relationship with God. Uh, and this portion of Ephesians, as you guys know, when uh, Paul wrote this letter, he wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus. He didn't put chapter and verse. Uh, so he just wrote a long letter. And this section of the letter, so it's kind of like from Ephesians 5.18 all the way through 6.9, you're going to see he's saying all of the things that come out of these verses comes from a direct relationship with the Holy Spirit. So uh, this isn't an, an ingredient of your relationship with the Lord. This is the result of your relationship with the Lord. Let me give you the case in point. Being a good parent doesn't make you a great Christian. Being a great Christian makes you a great parent. And so as a Christ follower, we have to see that wisdom flows out of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if anyone's been a parent for more than 10 seconds, you know that you need God-level wisdom 
to move forward, right? And that is to to say that if you're going to focus on your family and you're going to cast a vision for your family and you're going to inspire your family, then you must be filled with the God that leads you. So um, I, just to give you like a little pointer back to Ephesians 5.18, look at the verse on the screen. I want you to see how it ends. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It goes on to say uh, further in this particular section that you should be filled with your heart with music of the Lord. It even says, give thanks and everything to the Father because you are filled with Jesus Christ. And so you have to understand that when your children are born, you are the stewards or managers of God's children. Are you pointing them back to God, not just with words, but with example and action? And so you can see verse 18 sets that pace for us as Christians, before we can do anything as a great parent, we must have a great God in our heart, which means we have to live like Jesus Christ. Understand, Jesus Christ's ministry really didn't take place or explode on the scene in Israel until he was filled with the Spirit. Remember at baptism, he went down to the water. John the Baptist is like, I can't even touch your shoelaces. How can I baptize you? And he said, this is good for me to submit to the will of the Lord. And the moment that Jesus the man submitted to the will of the Lord, the Holy Spirit came on him. And his leadership exploded on the scene, not just for his disciples, for all of Israel, correct? And so if Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, how much more do we as family members need the Holy Spirit? Just think about that next time you enter into that Thanksgiving dinner where you know where the conversation is going to be spicy and great. You're like, Holy Spirit, come with me now, right? Because families are complicated. And so I want you, if you are a parent in this room, I want you to have this sink in as we move forward. Uh, great parenting comes because you are not just uh, raising your kids. You are leading your kids to a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, not with themselves. If you turn on the news today... How much problems can we trace back to people being filled with themselves and not with the Holy Spirit? Lives not surrendered to the will of God. And that is what we are doing um, as parents. So we just want to make sure that we are focused on that. Now, if you are not a parent in this room, all of the points that we're going to be putting up on the screen and, and, and uh, unpacking from this verse are just as important to you as a husband, as a wife, as a boss, as an employee. So understand that if you don't have children or you're preparing to have children, this is still applicable to, for you. But just understand this, what God wants is, is wonderful. We all want it. Just think about this. When the power of the Holy Spirit came on Jesus Christ and he moved forward, was his ministry not full of love and kindness and wisdom? And even the power of the Holy Spirit, would we not want that for our homes? And so when we look at our homes, we have to understand that God has anointed you and appointed you as parents to walk into your home as a minister, as a manager, and as a minister. And I, I want to let you know why that's so important to put in the forefront of my mind. Sometimes I walk into counseling, and I hear parents say, well, my child is my best friend. And I go, no, 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 no. Please don't ever say that. Because as a best friend, you might not be able to hold your best friend as accountable as you are as a parent when God said, raise my children to point them to the Lord. And I will tell you why this is, is so, so important for me as a parent to know and hope for, hopefully for you as well. My boys can bring so much joy and satisfaction into my life. So being a parent is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. But it comes along with so much heartbreak. 
and it comes along with so much pain because they're just little human beings trying to figure out their worldview, and along the way, they step all over your feelings as a parent, do they not? And they don't mean to, but just understand that as much as you are in the position of shaping and molding their worldview to look towards Jesus Christ, I will tell you this, I have never learned more about theology and the Bible than raising little ones. It has shaped me. So understand that the power of parenthood swings both ways, does it not? My little ones shape me. So understand that God has called you to be the parent, but understand that God has also called your children to be your children. And that's fantastic because I look at my kids and I see little me's. And I see them and I say, clean up. This is taking an hour. Why is it taking long? Why are you not listening? Why do you hate baths so much? It's good for you. Clean behind your ears. And they look at me and they just say, no. And then I look at them and I stare at them and I look up at Jesus and I go, I'm so sorry for all the years I didn't listen to you. I totally, totally get it. But that's why God has called us. And I know this next point is going to seem elementary, but I want you to hear the word that's so important. God called parents to be spiritual leaders in the home. Not spiritual best friends, not spiritual roommates. You are called to be spiritual leaders, and as such, you must lead. Understand this, that parents are the first and most impactful and influential teachers in a child's life. And I'll let you know how important this is. Um, we just went on a mission trip with our youth team, and we went to uh, Palm Bay and went to a place called uh, Master's Workshop. And this is a place where families who don't have a lot of money that are looking for a daycare center because both parents work or one parent works and they need a place to put their kids, but they don't want to, they can't afford to go anywhere, but they want to put their kids in somebody that's wore these hands, this is a Christian ministry. So they feel comfortable putting their kids there. I remember I spent two kids with one particular kid. And I remember I was talking to him about the Lord. And I want you to see how the impact of a parent weighs on a child. And I was saying, hey, don't you ever ask God for this or that or the other thing? And he goes, no, I don't, I don't think God really, really wants to spend time with me. And I said, why do you say that? And he goes, because I think God wants me to be lonely. And I said, why do you think that? And he goes, well, when I annoy people, I get, I get pushed to the side. So you see that as a parent or as a leader or as a guardian of a child, you can inform that child of the love of God. This particular young man, his idea of the love of God came from parents who thought, you know, treated him as an annoyance when he became a burden. How many of us have been a burden to Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ has never left our side. This is the way that we should be moving forward with family. And that's what it means to be a spiritual leader, uh, is to transform the family uh, through the love of Jesus Christ. But we can't transform the family unless we are transformed first. Many times I have the opportunity to counsel parents. And in counseling parents, I always hear this uh, line a lot. It says, I, I know that God loves us, but I don't think that my kids can change. Or I hear them say, I believe God has a heart for change, but this, this particular situation is so bad, I think it's beyond saving. Let me just ask you this question. When you are in the uh, person that's standing in the gap, and by that I mean you are the intercessory prayer partner with God that is standing over your children and praying over them when they are just the worst in your mind, right? Understand this. Did Jesus change your life? 
Did Jesus reach down into your mess, into your sinful, dirty mess, and pull you out by the blood of Jesus Christ? Did Jesus Christ reach into the jaws of hell and rip you away from a life that was meant for spiritual death to remove you and put you into spiritual life for eternity? If he has the power to raise dead men back to life, doesn't he have the power to restore a family? So if you are in a situation that you are struggling with and you believe that God, uh, his love cannot change your family, understand this, the redemption that you have experienced personally is that one of resurrection. You were spiritually dead, now you're spiritually alive. Go into your family with that hope. Go into your family with that hope to say that no matter where we started, God has the pen. And God is writing the story. And it may take work. Did it take work with you? Were you a perfect Christian day one? No, and neither are your children. And so that's the way you should lead your family. We like to uh, say this in the, uh, the Everington household. I can only shepherd as well as I'm being shepherded. I can only lead as well as I'm being led. And as you can see that on the screen, I want you to understand this, that even as you are leading and even if you feel like you are doing a bad job or a good job as a parent, the best job that you can do, regardless of what you think your performance is, is to lead your children by you yourself surrendering to God and letting him lead you. I want you to uh, think about that for a moment. Your guide to true obedience and your guide to what true leadership looks like is when you personally experience that with God. So if you have a great relationship with God, and I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying that your performance is awesome. I'm not saying even if we looked at your spiritual report card, we would all be impressed. What I'm saying is that you let God be God and you bring true obedience. And then when you see that mechanism work, you see that process work between you and God, then you know how to turn to your kids and show them what that process looks like because it doesn't look like a strong arm, does it? It doesn't look like a whip in the hand. How many times has God been super patient with you and super merciful and super grace-filled as he leads you towards what is right? I believe that sometimes when I look at my relationship with God, I'm amazed that God's patience has been so deep and rich with me, and I have had little patience for him, and yet he continues to passionately pursue me. Let's think about that. That's the kind of love that captures and saves a person from the world when they know that as annoying as they are, you will never stop passionately pursuing them with the love of the Lord. I remember this one time I got into a fight at school and I had a really close relationship with my grandfather. There was a time um, in my life, my dad and, my, uh, and I have a restored relationship, but in my teenage years, my dad um, and my and mom got a divorce and he kind of disappeared spiritually from my life. And so my grandfather stepped into this role. And I just remember I got into this fight with this kid at school and I knew that it was gonna be worse than I could ever possibly imagine when I get home. I got suspended, I got detentions, there was community service involved, but I knew for a fact as much chin music as my grandfather was gonna give me at home, there was sanctuary there. I knew that I was gonna receive wisdom. I knew that I was gonna receive guidance. I knew that I was gonna receive love despite the uh, accountability, despite the punishment. And I knew I was gonna get punishment from him too. And I knew it had to do with cleaning his barn out. I knew that was what was coming down. And if you knew what cleaning a barn is like, it's not great, right? But I knew that because of the heart of the father that was inside of him, that's where I wanted to be. Regardless of my mistake, 
Now, why was I able to do that? Because his relationship with God was such as that, that no matter what mistakes he would make, he had the heart of his father in heaven. And in such a way, that's how he led. And so even though I knew that I was in for it, when I got home that day, I put my backpack down and I walked right up to him and I explained the situation and I sat down. I'll never forget. I was like, here we go. And it went the way that I thought it was going to go, but I've never felt safer in my life. That's the kind of love that when you oversee the next generation, they can see that you are guided by something more powerful than their frustration, by your frustration, by your anger. They're, they're designed and following through with a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can see that as somebody walks in that calling, children love that kind of consistency. How consistent is God? You ask for forgiveness, do you get forgiven? Right away. You ask for wisdom. Do you receive wisdom? Maybe not in your timing, but you receive that wisdom. God is super consistent, and that's what children in this world are looking for. Now, now that we have set the pace for parents, now we're going to do a little bit of reverse engineering. Remember I said we're talking about uh, being a great parent isn't a recipe for Christianity. Now we're going to see the results. So basically, this is when the cake comes out of the oven. This is what it looks like. Not the ingredients, but this is the results. Join me, chapter 6, verse 1. First thing that you see out of the gate. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You know, for a long time, I thought my mom wrote this Bible verse because she said, do you want, you know, I put you in this world, I can take you out. I'm like, did you write Ephesians chapter 3? I mean, verse, chapter 6, verse 3, because that sounds a lot like you, so that it may go well with you. And that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. In fact, I did um, look at a study in psychology back when I was in uh, college. And there was actually a study by a Christian, um, a psychiatrist that showed that people that follow the Ten Commandments, he followed one family. It was like early in America. And he said he followed one family and they all follow the Ten Commandments and they live long life. And there was an atheist family that was living across the street. I think it was somewhere like in New York when it was like turn of the century New York. And there's a family, a well-to-do family across the street that was all atheists and they all died very, very young. And he pointed to this particular Bible verse that you may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. But this came out of verse 1. Look at it again. The focus is on obey. Children, obey, but obey in what? In the Lord. You see that when we are teaching our kids to follow us, we're teaching our kids the value of obeying God's plan. Is it not God's plan for children to obey the Lord? And when that works out, now you can point to God's other promise and say, see how this worked out? That's how that's going to work out. Uh, I love this because I can even say, this is such a great commandment, and I could stand here and look like an expert, but I know that if I were to show you a glimpse of our house, we'd be slightly derailed. Um, to obey means to hear and to follow. To hear and to follow. I remember uh, I went home one day, and I was arguing with the Lord. Has anyone ever gotten in an argument with the Lord? 
Has anyone got in a heated debate? You already know you're going to lose, but you still enter into it. And I'm challenging God on doing something. I, I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I, I hear you, but I don't want to follow. I remember coming home, and I was standing in the kitchen, and Jackie comes to me. Jackie's my wife. She says, can you get our two boys, Joey and Charlie, ready uh, for dessert? We're going to have dessert, special treatsy day that we don't normally get. But I was, mommy had ice cream. And the boys were watching TV. Now, they don't get TV normally, which means means they're locked in, right? They're like, the world doesn't exist. And I said to them, well, we're not going to have any ice cream until the living room is clean. And the kids are like this. They're like major league pitchers in the World Series. They're not even budging. They're like, I got to soak in as much TV screen into these eyeballs as I can get. I said, okay, guys, uh, I know you hear me. We're not going to have any ice cream until the living room is clean. Not a move, not a budge. And then I finally said, all right, Mom, I guess we'll just have to throw away all the ice cream. And as soon as I said ice cream, throw away, the living room was clean. That fast. That fast. It's not enough to hear you have to obey and follow. But I want to let you know something that was really, really challenging for me in that particular moment is I looked at the Lord and I said, I hear you and I will follow. The transformation went both ways, right? So as a parent, I have to be in the Lord as much as the kids have to be in the Lord, right? And so as they are learning to be, uh, learning to obey God, they are learning to obey God in the Lord. I'm learning to obey God in the Lord. You can put this verse up on a wall in your house. It's so important because this is discussing not adult children, but little children that are living in the home. Look at it. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because this is God's command. Do you understand this is a commandment for God? Children, you must obey your parents. This commandment comes from God. And when you teach your kids to follow the commandments of the Lord and everything follows through, God is honored. Which brings us to our next point. Parents must lead plus children must obey means God is honored. Our mission as parents is to teach our children the value of obeying. Think of how important this is. Your greatest mission field is in your home. Sometimes I have uh, a conversation with parents, and they're like, hey, my kid's been in your youth ministry for a little while. Why are they not fixed yet? (laughs) Go something like that. (laughs) And I said, well, because I have them 52 hours a year, but you have them 70,000. Have you shown them what it means to submit to God and the value of obeying him and living out and trusting God with the circumstances? That no matter what the situation is, trusting God with the circumstances. That no matter what's happening in your life, even though it's uncomfortable, letting God provide you your results and rewards and not the world and not yourself. I believe that's why it's so important uh, that uh, Solomon would say in this particular way as a minister over his home. He says in Proverbs 22, teach a youth about the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word teach is closer to the word train. If you've ever been in sports, that word train is like, you know, putting in the time and the work, like doing the exercise over and over, doing the drill over and over. If you've ever played an instrument, right, you don't just pick up a violin and you're awesome. It takes time to train. And what God is saying is, I want you to train them how to follow and obey in hierarchy. I've put hierarchies in place, the Lord has said, and it's for the good of people. There should be a leader and there should be people that follow. And this is what I love to see because it shows there are people who are willing to surrender to God's plan. Just think about this. When a child learns to follow a parent, it doesn't mean they learn to agree with the parent. 
It doesn't mean that they understand and think identical to the parent. It means that they love and value the parent. And therefore, whether they disagree or enjoy or just go cartwheels for every command, you said, yes, Father. Anything you say, Father, oh, wouldn't that be the day? I would think that the seventh seal of Revelation had opened up and we're on our way to heaven. (laughs) But it understands this, is that I'm following you because I'm following the Lord because that's the calling of my life. Think of how different Joseph's life in the Bible would be if he didn't follow the Lord, if he didn't understand hierarchies. Think of Joseph as his brothers had sold him into slavery and he'd went to Potiphar's house if he had a rebellious, nasty streak. Would that have turned out well from him? Or would he have done a great thing for the warden when he went into the prison? Or would he have blessed Pharaoh uh, with his obedience when he went there if he had none? And you understand that by doing that, he was trained up in the way that he should go, that he was not able to just only save the nation of Egypt. He saved the nation of Israel as it was budding through his family. He was able to save his family through the training that he had received. And that's what we're looking at. Remember, Joshua would say, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. It has nothing to do with your situation. It has everything to do with the God of your situation. And that's where my eyes are fixed. So I'm telling my kids, look where I'm looking. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Which is why I look at my kids, and I think about this all the time. It's not just who are they. I think about this. What kind of a Christ follower am I raising? That's the power in my hand. What kind of a husband or father, if you have girls at your home, what kind of a daughter or wife are you raising? Or what kind of an employee or boss are you raising in the Lord? Remember that word is in the Lord. I remember when, um, when I first, they first handed me, we were at Holmes Regional and we were in the delivery room and they handed me my first son, Jojo, Joseph Jr. That was, I would not, would not have it any other way. He had to be a Joseph Jr., And they put him in my hands, and I was so excited. I was a father with a son, and I remember them putting him in my hands, this little peanut of a human being. And they're like, you get to take this home. This is yours. And I remember my wife putting her hand on my shoulder. She's like, has your hair always been white on the sides like that? (laughs) And I said, no, it wasn't yesterday. I think it happened today. And I just realized this, that I am responsible to raise this tiny human being in the Lord because God said in this verse, for this is right. That I was responsible to lead this child into the kingdom of God to become a kingdom keeper for God. And that is a great responsibility, but I want you to understand that it comes with great results because look at verse two. If you do this well, look at the result. Verse two says, honor your father and mother. Now, notice this quote is coming out of the Old Testament, but he's going to put a slight shade that's a little bit New Testament on it. Now, you'll hear Deuteronomy 5.16 in here, and you'll hear Exodus 20.12, right? It's all in there, and it's perfectly in sync. And I love that Paul's writing this, right? He's putting the Old Testament and the New Testament in sync and saying, family living has always been the same way under God. That has not changed. But I want you to understand what he's putting in a shift in there. Look how it says it in verse 2. Let me slide right there. Okay, it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Isn't that an interesting word? 
Remember that the Ten Commandments were the foundation of godly living in the, in the world that God was setting up for Israel, right? For the kingdom, for the nation of Israel. And he was saying, you know what? I have a plan for you inside a family. And the second commandment, if you go back to the second commandment of the Ten Commandments, was an overall promise to understanding if you kept the Ten Commandments, you would have a great relationship with God. So that was an overall promise. The fifth commandment, was a very specific personal promise. If you honor your father and mother, it may go well with you that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. You know, sometimes we think about this as a, as a way of just a general talking about living for God can equal healthy lifestyle, right? That sounds normal, right? But has anyone ever heard anybody preach on generational curses? Um, we don't hear at Calvary Chapel really say, oh, you're going to be breaking generational curses in that way. What it's saying is if you are a disobedient parent and you don't have an honorable life before the Lord, you'll probably raise disobedient, disobedient children who are dishonoring to God, right? And thus, there's not a generational curse, but what you have given them is the legacy of what it means to be not a Christ follower, and that ten typically t t tumbles down, tumbles down through the generations. It's not easily corrected, right? It's not easily corrected to get out of bad habits if the parents aren't leading well. If, the, if you, I find this to be very dangerous. When Christian parents don't lead well, the kids don't see any value in Christ because they've been introduced to Christ through you. And what they see is, you know what? I think it's going to be okay. But when your children honor you, now this following up of the word honor is through a lifetime of honoring. This honor your father and your mother isn't like, hey, kids, pick up the room. And then I picked it up one time and we, I high five my wife and I go, oh man, we're on our way to being honored. This is after a lifetime of obedience that you turn to your kids when they become adults and they say to their kids, now follow me like grandma and grandpa followed the Lord. This is what that word honor is. So we're going to put up our next point. It says, honoring our parents is affirming them as instruments of God's glory in our lives. Honoring our parents is affirming them as instruments of God's glory in our life. And that will equal a long life, a healthy life. This is true for you as a parent. This is also true for you as a child. If you look at that word honor, it's kind of amazing. I want to break down the Greek translation of it. It says to revere, to prize, or value. What it doesn't say in that definition is to wholeheartedly agree and think identically. You know, the same way that we love imperfect people in this church, we honor imperfect people in our home, don't we? We raise imperfect people in our home. It's an interesting thought for us to think about this is the same way that we love and, and honor imperfect people as they walk through these church doors, we also honor and love imperfect parents. For this particular portion of the sermon, I just want you to know if you've been in this room and you've been an imperfect parent, the Lord says that's fine, you need to find your center in me. If you're a child who has had an imperfect parent, please, by all means, look to them and say this, I'm going to still honor you with the love of the Lord. Honor is not endorsing. Honor is not agreeing. Some of us have not had godly parents. In my life, there was a time and a period where I really need my dad, and spiritually he, just, he disappeared, and my mom stepped up, and she poured her life into me. And I believe the reason why that I'm here today is because of the response that I had to the love of the Lord in my mom. And so if you have that opportunity 
and the Lord is speaking to you today, and you need to go home and maybe call mom or dad because they did a great job, but also call mom and dad and forgive them for not being perfect. Today is your day to also bring honor to them by showing your obedience to them. Now, if it, that obedience means running counterintuitive to the Lord, like if your parents ever ask you to do something that the Lord would tell you explicitly not to do, then you're allowed to follow the Lord and, and circumvent your parents. But if you're in that place and you have a relationship that needs to be restored because of what happened between you and your parents, I just want to let you know the prescription for a long life is to bring honor to your parents. I want to let you know this little bit of a testimony um, between my mom and my dad. My, my dad and I had a falling out when my parents got a divorce. We actually physically got in fights, physical fights. And uh, we fought for a long time and uh, we it got verbal and it got bad and then we broke apart. And some of you know that my testimony from our sermon on forgiveness, but I found this verse to be very helpful when I, the Lord came to me and said, before you come into the sanctuary and teach a sermon on forgiveness, I need you to honor your father. And I said, but God, he wasn't very honorable. And the Lord said, that's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to bring honor to him by bringing love and obedience to him where he was a good father. Because it wasn't a whole person that was wholly bad. It was a guy who was struggling with a divorce and, and things like that. And so I picked up the phone after not talking to my dad for about six to seven years. And I dialed his number, and it was busy. And that's never happened. I never called a cell phone number, and it got busy. And I dialed his number again, I dialed his number again, I dialed his number again. I said, God, if you want me to get through then you're going to have to let the cell phone grave through. And so I hung up the phone, and the Lord was like, you know what, just why don't you sit here for a second, and then my dad called. And he goes, I've been trying to call you nonstop. I called you five times, and I keep getting a busy signal. And I said, Dad, what's up? And he goes, I was sitting in a, in a service, and it was all about honoring and forgiving. I need your forgiveness, son. And I said, are you, are you being real with me right now? Are you leading me spiritually as I am a pastor in a church? Are you telling me you went to a church service, now you're coming home to lead me? And he said, absolutely. He goes, would you please forgive me? And I said, yes, absolutely. And now my dad is in my life, and he knows his grandchildren, and it's all wonderful. This all takes place because I was ready to, yes. <laughs> this all takes place because I was a child of God that was ready to surrender to the command of God to obey and love and honor my parents in the Lord, not in their craziness, not in their wacky new-newness, not in their worst day. I was able to love and honor my parents in the Lord. So when you are raising your children to love the commandments of the Lord by following you, you're teaching them how to love, obey, and follow the Lord, which is why I believe this is the most important thing that you can say to yourself. And I'm going to give you a little story about my mom. The greatest gift parents can give their kids is a Christ-filled parent. The greatest gift parents can give their kids as a Christ-filled parent. You know, when my dad was selfishly living for himself, he was not available. He was not around. And the impact was felt in my heart as a teenager. But the moment that he got filled with Christ, what was his first action? Let me get connected with my son to lead him in the love of the Lord. You know, while my dad was gone, my mom did a single parent job, and she did a fantastic job. I'll never forget how much she changed me by showing me the love and the value and the obedience to the Lord. She never, ever missed church. She never missed the Wednesday. She never missed the Sunday, and she made sure I was there, and I was always upset with her because I was trying to live for myself. My parents had been divorced. I was angry at the world. You guys know my testimony. I drifted into drugs, and I was very, very selfish. I remember one night I had snuck out. 
and uh, out of the house, and I came back, and I thought I was really super, super slick. I opened the window in a certain way. I snuck in the window. I went down the hallway. I stepped on all the tiles, didn't make noise. I was like Indiana Jones. I did everything perfect. I turned the door handle to my room a certain way, and I went in there, and I shut it. And just as I was about to shut the door, I saw her little night light go on. And so I left my door cracked. I'm like, what is she doing up this, this late or this early by the, your whatever standard you're looking at the clock? And I heard her get on her knees. And I heard her pray and in, as an imperfect parent, God, I've done everything you've asked me to do to lead this young man to the Lord. Where is he the way that he is? I love him. I love him, but I don't want this for him. I want him to be a man of God. I want him to have an appetite. I remember he's saying those words. I want him to have an appetite for you, and he has none right now. He's breaking my heart, but what can I do? And then I heard her say these words over and over and over, but you know what I heard? Please forgive him. Please love him. Please break his heart of what breaks yours. I heard it over and over again, and I want to let you know that this was a woman that was filled by the Spirit of the Lord, and what broke my heart that night and made me never want to go back to that lifestyle was the love of Jesus Christ in her for me because I know I frustrated her. I know I disappointed her. I know I let her down. But the thing that I heard her was her passionately pursuing Jesus Christ through it all. Parents, if you are in this room and you feel like you're not doing a good job, you are because you are the parent that is in here getting filled with the word of the Lord. And don't understand, like, you haven't read every book. You're not read every uh, book on parenting. You're not an expert, but you do have the expert, the Father God who lives in heaven, who is over all of us. You are the parent in here taking notes. And if you're a grandparent or a step-parent or a guardian at some level, understand this, that everything that you do for your children and you do for the Lord does not go unnoticed. God sees. He absolutely sees. You make a greater impact than you know. I was on a path of death and destruction, and I was about to die. And yet, what am I doing right now? I am standing in the pulpit preaching the word of life because my mom stood over me and preached the word every day. Do you know what to tell you something? You know who can be really annoying? Moms. <laughs> they can be real, real annoying, can't they? You know who also can be really annoying? God. How many times has God passionately pursued you in the middle of your annoyance? Leave me alone. I don't want to talk about this right now. Leave me alone. I don't want to do this right now. And yet the Lord goes, all right, that's okay. I'll be right here. I'm going to say it again. Let's go. How patient is the heart of God for you? You have been anointed and appointed for this time and understand that God places his hand on you and goes into parenting with you because he loves you. You know, sometimes... Um, my children are small, and they haven't really done anything major yet. They're not teenagers, and I know what I was like at a teenager, so I'm praying now before I get there. But I think of it as I hold my child in my hand, and they disappoint me, and they break my heart. I like to think of God's hands holding me. So as I hold my little kids in my hands, I like to think of God holding on to me. And in as tight as I hold to my kids, the really thing that's important is God is holding on to us. Understand this, that you are not alone in parenting, and you never were. And kids can learn to lean into Jesus as they learn to lean into you, because as they learn to lean into you in your heart, they begin to see Jesus Christ. They find sanctuary where they cannot find in the world that can only come by Jesus Christ. Now, this is a setup for the next Bible verse. 
Because what happens is that Paul and Jesus very expertly start with a negative to flip it to the positive. Look at the next part, because Paul knows that people have kids and kids are crazy, right? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I like how the English Standard Version says it. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, I love the way that it says that because it's actually kind of saying in a particular way. He says, before we, you know, because we talked about the children, now we're switching back to the parents, right? And the way that he's talking, he's talking first to the head of the household, but if you are a single mom in this room, this is just as applicable to you. He's saying here specifically, before you go and discipline your children and you want them to honor you, you have to have an honorable life. So for parents to be honored, they must live honorable lives. That's our next point. For parents to be honored, they must live honorable lives. And we're talking about honorable lives through the Bible, right? Honorable lives that is defined by God. He's talking about what is the highest priority? Do you walk in there with an annoyance? Do you walk in there with a burden? Has your kids let you down? Are you walking there like, this is what you have done to me today? I love this one. I always love this one. At a restaurant, and you hear a mom lean over a dad, like, you are a direct reflection on us. I always love that line, because this has like, a like, don't you understand what kind of a billboard that you're putting out to the world that I'm a bad parent, you know? I love that line. It always gets me. But it's really not about that. It's saying before you walk into the room to lead your children in discipline, make sure that you don't lack self-control. Make sure that you are full and brimming with God control, Holy Spirit control, so that when you pour yourself into your children that you don't build an anger in them. And what he's talking about, don't provoke your kids to anger. You don't provoke an anger that's permanent. See, for the years of my, of, of my, the, my, God, my dad was gone and I wasn't through with my teenage years, I loved to fight. Oh, man, I loved to fight. I loved to pick up fists and throw down with anybody at any time. And today, I don't want any of that. The reason why is because my dad had built into me an anger that was permanent. And that anger can come in different ways. Anger can come by humiliation. I've seen parents humiliate kids. Think about Jacob. He played favorites, didn't he? Jacob in the Bible played favorites. Did he build anger in his other sons? He brought anger in his point that all the other boys were willing to kill Joseph and sell him into slavery and then bring a false story back to their dad. If you want to go back and read that story, right? Hey, your son is dead. Think of the anger that was brimming in them by favoritism or by isolation. Remember the little boy at Master's Workshop where we did our mission trip? All of his anger was built up through isolation or even abuse. I think about this all the time. Not even like atheist parents or non-Christian parents want this for their children. They want great things. Most people want great things for their kids. But if you're not armed with the love of the Lord, you might not walk into the relationship with your kids with the grace and mercy of the Lord, right? This is why it's called stewardship. And if you go back to that verse, I want you to see that second part where it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but look at the next part. Bring them up. This is closer to nourishing. It's almost like a baby bottle in the mouth of a baby. It's, it's, it's like give them all the nutrients. And what are the nutrients that a young baby Christian needs? Discipline and training. Discipline and training. God is specifically saying to parents, and by the way, this is very true. I can't wait till when my kids are teenagers and I can tell them about this Bible verse. At the time of parents in this day and age, 
A, a dad could have his kid executed for not listening, for being disobedient. I will not actually follow through with it, but I can't wait to look at my teenager in the face and be like, in the days of Paul, you don't know how good you have it. But just because you know you have a Christian parent that wants to nourish you in the discipline and training of the Lord. I just want to remind you, has God ever abused his relationship with you? Has he ever hit you with a lightning bolt? Has he ever outed you for the secret sins that are in your heart and shown the world? In fact, no, if we, we know that we're safe in here because God has dealt with us privately, right? He has not humiliated us. He has brought us from spiritual infancy to maturity by an unrelenting hand that is always on us, but guiding us in truth and love, right? And that is why it is so easy for me to understand what it means to be a parent because I look at my parent God, my father God, who has given me the chief job of being a parent that his only sole purpose is to point my children to the love of God. That's it. But for me to do that, I'm going to put up our final point. This is the crux of this passage. Remember we talked about the Holy Spirit has to lead us? Well, here's the command and calling that God has given you as a parent. To know your God. To be loving like God, you have to know him. But then you have to follow him. And as you follow him, you grow in that love. And then as you grow in that love, you realize that you are desperate to be filled with the Holy Spirit in any situation. And there lies the next step as a parent to lead your children by example. I want to let you know, if you've been in this room um, and you don't have children, this is still applicable in your house. This is still applicable in your job. This is important to everything in your life. But if you are a parent or you're preparing to be a parent, understand this, that God goes with you. God goes before you. God is in your children. Don't look at them and just distrust them at face value. Trust the Jesus Christ inside of them. Trust that Jesus Christ has a hand on you and has a hand on them. And then lead your children by example. The way that God has taken on the burden of loving you and bore your sins on the cross and has interceded for you. Do you understand this? That right now Jesus Christ is the high priest in heaven interceding for you and speaking to God on your behalf. Think about my mom on her knees in her room praying and look at the result now. I can claim nothing good today. You know who gets all the whole glory? I picture my mom and God high-fiving when I get to heaven. And her little, hey, did you see the work we did on this guy? And me being like, hey, I'm standing right here. It's going to be a long road. It's going to be a difficult road. But it's going to be a road that's worth it because it leads from here to eternity and to the arms of our Savior. Moms and dads, grandparents, step-parents, you're doing a great job. You're in here. You're being filled with the Spirit. Now lead your children with the love of God that you know. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are nourishing us through your word. We thank you that you are correcting us in our heart. We thank you that you're not just a priority in, uh, in your life. We are the chief priority. You showed us by going to the cross and dying for us. Let us bring that kind of sacrificial love to our families. Let us bring that kind of sacrificial life a love to our, to our households. Let us bring the foundation of children that are Christ-filled and not self-filled. Lord, we love how much you have done for us, that you have fostered in us growth and unity and a deep connection with God. Let us unfold that plan for our children and show them how good God is. It says in the Bible, taste and see that the Lord it is, how good the Lord is. Let us show it first to our kids and our hearts. In Jesus' holy name, amen.